Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things mental health. Today, I am so excited to have on Dr. Katie Richardson, who is a practicing pediatrician, a mom, and an entrepreneur who sits on the board of a nonprofit called Bright by Text. Bright by Text is a text messaging platform that provides information and resources to parents of children from prenatal to age eight. And the messages are available in both English and Spanish. And the messages come from uh, research-based content that's created from partners like PBS, Vroom, and Sesame Street. So I'm super excited to talk to Dr. Katie and to hear more about Bright by Text. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here as well. Good. So first tell me, um, how long have you been a board member of Bright by Text? And what drew you to serving there versus all the other places you could be on a board? Well, um, I, I guess primarily being a pediatrician, right? Um, I know that children's brains um, are the most pliable and the most growth occurs in those early years. And what Bright by Text is doing is really helping parents um, assist in that development that happens, as you said, both prenatally through the age of eight. And there are many wonderful um, nonprofits out there that I have given many hours to um, other areas. But what I like about this particularly, none of them have been dedicated to the health and well-being of kids. And of course, I'm a big advocate. So, yeah, that's great. So in terms of the messages that people get on a Bright by Text platform, um, I would think that you'd be concerned with some of the medical maybe information, but what other kinds of information do they get from something like a PBS or a Sesame Street? You know, a lot of it's around um, child development. So just basic things. One of the cool things about Bright by Text is when you sign up for the platform, you get to put your child's date of birth in. And so all of the content that's being delivered is um, directed at the age of your child um, at the right time. It's kind of that gentle nudge that you need that says it can be developmental games. It can be um, opportunities to attend events with other families that you know have similar aged kids it can be information about safety nutrition um, education educational materials not only for the parents but um, for other caregivers any caregiver can sign up for the service so that could be grandparents that also again have a vested interest in the growth and development of a happy healthy child yeah so um, to let our, our, my listeners know, you and I met because I just more recently joined the Bright by Text and Bright by Three board. And um, one of the things that I found really interesting is that there is all of this information that's already get, like being put out there and how much more information needs to go out there you know like it feels like this endless amount like oh wait but they also but parents need to know this about a three-year-old and they need to know that and what's normal and what's not and mental health and physical health so what what part of it do you feel like um, maybe is most important at different ages if you could even answer that question for parents and caregivers to know like what kind of information well 
That's a great question. Um, I, I think, I mean, you, you brought up the point yourself. Um, the intersection of both mental and physical health, I think, is super important. And when we're talking about kids prenatally through the age of eight, all of these um, things you know, such as nutrition, safety, sleep, um, mental health of the caregiver, all of those things are table stakes. Um, and so, you know, I would say um, all of those things are very important. There's, it's hard to pick out one thing that's most important, but you're right. They have, these parents and caregivers have maybe 20 minutes with their pediatrician um, every couple of months in those early years. And, and then they're at home wondering all the time, like, is this normal? Is this not normal? And the nice thing about Bright by Text is they get that gentle nudge right when they need it with content that's super appropriated appropriate say for a six-month-old it's about starting solid foods and you can get really basic information from the text message itself but you can also click into that message and read an article on it so again it's brief it's right at a time when it's most important for the age of your child and um, you know what we've heard at least from folks that are using the platform is it's really helpful. It's the support that they really need in a really timely fashion. And, and it's not intrusive. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's so interesting because I think people think about, you know, a text messaging platform and, you know, what does that really mean? But I think about my, e my email box, my inbox. It, it's got, you know, honestly, probably 10,000 emails that I've never <laughs> even opened. I have the same problem. Yes, I have one of those. <laughs> so I could have something really important in there, but, you know, it, it could be buried. The other thing is I know that as a mom myself, when something's going on, sometimes I just Google things. And I don't know, sometimes I don't always know what is the right information. You know, for me, like the other night, my, one of my kids was running a super high fever and some people's kids run high fevers and they're comfortable, but mine don't. And this was my third. So I thought, I, I don't, this is freaking me out. Like, I don't know what to do with the high fever. And I did go to sites that I thought were trustworthy, like Kids Health or Mayo Clinic, other sites that I go to, but actually I still kind of had different, sometimes different um, ranges for when to be concerned, different symptoms that accompany it, when should you call your pediatrician? And I thought this is a perfect example of you can go to sites that's, that, that are trustworthy, I'm not saying they're not, but start getting conflicting information and not know what to do. So I feel like Bright by Text is kind of curated. Absolutely. We have a content um, oversight committee that is really making sure that what we're delivering is evidence-based, it's good information, and, um, you know, one of, our, one of our colleagues on the board uh, calls it it, it's, it cuts through the noise because you're right, the, the Im amount of information that is out there is absolutely overwhelming. Um, and we see that when, the, you know, parents come into the office, they've checked three different websites and they still have a question and so they'll come in. Um, and the curated information with oversight of education professionals, healthcare professionals, behavioral health professionals, all those groups of folks that are really making sure this information is trusted, good information that again is helpful right when they need it. 
Do you happen to know what the number is that people can text to sign up? I do. Let me get that for you, okay. but I absolutely have that um, okay. at my fingertips. I should have had it <laughs> no. right off the top of my head. Well, I didn't think of it either, but in case somebody's thinking about not listening or something, I want them to get to get it. Absolutely. I can give that to you now. So you can text the keyword bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, to 274-448. Okay. 274-448. You got okay. it. Awesome. So here's one of the um, things that I thought, oh, I've got a pediatrician in a room. And so what am I going to ask you, right? Because pediatricians, I mean, you must feel this, are like rock stars in a way to, you know, parents. Like, we need to know what does this mean and what does this mean? Um, so I feel really excited to have you trapped in a room right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but one of the things that I want to know about is how you feel um, people in mental health and people in physical health can be working more effectively together on the wellness and well-being of children. Yeah. I mean, I, I am a fan of, I, I don't think these two things should be separated. Um, you know, m the mind and the body are so intricately um, put together that really the fact that people do think of them as separate entities and different types of healthcare, I actually think is an unfortunate way to go around it. Um, I really think a checkup for our mind and our emotions is just as important as a checkup for our body. Um, and, and what ends up happening, whether it's because of limited access or stigma or other things, they, I will tell you in the last, I've been in practice um, for about 16 years now. And what I have seen um, is there's not a day in my clinic that goes by that I do not see a child for a behavioral health issue. And we're talking symptoms of depression, anxiety, adjustment issues. Pediatricians have, you know, always taken care of things like ADHD, which also has very much a behavioral component to it. But um, now what we're seeing is, is I think, again, a lot because of access and stigma, we are the front door to getting them the help that they need. I also think that, unfortunately, um, parents and families, uh, people in general, are looking for the quick fix, and they're hoping we can offer that. Um, and, you know, the first thing that I do is say, all right, um, you know, we, we do some screening. We talk about what the issues are. We, we do the things to say, oh, yes, indeed, you screen positive for depression or you're screening positive for anxiety. And the first line of treatment for all of those things is I need to get you connected with a therapist that can help you work through some of those things because medication isn't always the answer. And especially for kids and adolescents, it is the second or third in that line. <coughs> So what do you do as a pediatrician? And, and maybe you've been in practice for a long time now, but what do, you, what do pediatricians do when there's maybe a complex mental health issue that seems to be presented before them? Because I know definitely from my patients, they go to their pediatrician first. Mm -hmm. And whoever they see, usually they want sanctioned. They want like the red, the, the thumbs up from their pediatrician. But what do you do in those situations where you're seeing a complex mental health issue going on do you, are you trained for that? Did medical school prepare you for that? Is this on the job training? Like, how do you know what to do with that? 
Well, I would say um, medical school, at least in the past, and, and even residency training didn't fully prepare me for what I'm seeing today with the increase in the number of kids that are um, suffering from mental health issues. Um, and we have, um, I, I have spent a lot of my career working in an integrated healthcare system where we were very lucky to have behavioral health professionals literally down the hall from us. And so I could raise the white flag when I, when I said, um, you know, wait, this is over my head. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely able um, to determine is this an emergency, right? And what to do in that scenario, I absolutely, you know, was trained for that. And then we have now, and I would say, to your point on the job training that I've gotten um, probably mostly in the last 10 years with, again, lack of adequacy of an availability, um, even in our integrated system, which is totally overwhelmed to really uh, take care of the needs of kids and adolescents with mental health issues. A lot of that has fallen back to the pediatrician. And so, you know, we um, do what we can. And then many times we'll get to the point where, again, we have to raise that that white flag and say I need help luckily um, you know I I know who those folks are um, that are within my network and I pick up the phone and call and I I what I loved about the integrated delivery system is what I call the warm transfer the warm handoff the ability to say this person is right here let's get you to someone that can help you right now and then that person can make follow-up appointments um, and I think as frag Fragmented as healthcare is right now, we need to get better about that. Yeah, how do pediatricians feel about all of the mental health kind of um, strains and burdens that they now see? Like, do you feel like I went into this because I cared about physical health, and now I'm dealing with mental health? Like, is, do you think that there's a rub there? Um, it, well, I'm sure many pediatricians feel woefully underprepared to deal with it. Um, it, it breaks my heart, truthfully. Like, I I am drawn, you know, in mid-career, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I go to school to study psychology? Because what's needed right now is um, it, it just breaks my heart, the number of kids that I see that are hurting, um, the increase in suicide rates, those types of things. Um, but without the training that you have had, like, we are woefully underprepared. And I think um, most, most pediatricians and other healthcare providers that take care of children probably do a lot of referring without that warm handoff because they don't feel prepared to take care of it. And again, what ends up happening if I'm just giving a phone number um, to someone is there's less likelihood that they're even making that appointment. So Yeah, and I will say on my end, um, there's two things. What breaks my heart is you can make that referral and it could be a long wait, mm -hmm. you know, and so I, I also in my world, we the trends happening are less and less uh, practitioners are accepting health insurance. Yes. So now this has become some sort of, you know, exclusive, almost like this exclusive privilege 
to be able to go to therapy mm. to get your kid and I'm and I don't accept insurance so I'm a part of that system um, and it causes me to stress but the overhaul the overhaul that is needed is like in med school clearly MDs need to learn a lot more about what's happening with the mental part of wellness right right and there also needs to be so many more people trained in psychiatry psychology counseling all of those fields um but then there's the overhaul of the the health system the policy pieces that need to be in place so people that need the care are getting the care you're right i mean that i think um cost is is a huge piece of it and so you know a lot of times people end up in emergency rooms for you know um for for most for behavioral health issues i mean even when i was trained i trained here at children's hospital um here in colorado and we did have 24 7 behavioral health professionals in the emergency department because even at that point um there was an issue with that but i think that's probably becoming um more and more the case because they don't even know where to go to access care a place that takes their insurance, a place that they can afford um, those types of things. I'm right there with you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you, you're not prepared for this, but I want to ask you the, these random questions because what I'm thinking is I'm asking you all these questions about how, you know, your field is not adequately prepared for mental health stuff, but sometimes physical health stuff up, comes up for me in my mm -hmm. world. And it would be awesome to have a pediatrician, you know, down the hallway. Um, so I'm just going to ask you some of these questions. Um, I have a lot of my clients who are interested, they don't sleep well. And so people are using melatonin like crazy. Mm -hmm. And for some of my, um, patients, it just, it works really, really well. Actually, I, I, there aren't that many people, no one that I know has ever had an adverse reaction. So it's either it works really well, or they'll say, I tried it. I didn't really notice a difference. But what do you feel like as a, as a pediatrician with uh, this must be a, an increase in using melatonin and our, our clear sleep disturbances? And we know screens are probably related to that. But what are your thoughts on on the safety and then and the use just the sheer volume of people using melatonin? Well, I agree with you. Um, I haven't had any adverse outcomes either. I do recommend melatonin to my patients. I definitely th think I mean, I'm a less is more kind of person. So you start with the lowest dose. Um, and I give my patients a maximum dose that I say, okay, if you're above this, you know, this probably isn't going to help you. Um, I, I talk a lot about, again, people want the quick fix. Um, we talk a lot about sleep hygiene, um, which I think is so important. And that's, you know, getting up at about the same time every day, going to bed at about the same time every day. That is no screens after X time. Or if you do, you need to be aware wearing blue blocker sunglasses so that doesn't isn't telling the gland in your head that it's time to be awake um, and you and I both know um, you know the connection between inadequate sleep and issues with sleep and mental health issues too so all of these things are tied together but yes um, melatonin I think is safe at low doses um, there are not any big red flags with it and I think people can use it safely and I recommend it to my patients. Okay, here's another one. The teenage brain. 
Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very interesting. I find that teenagers today are very well informed on their feelings and a lot of like psych terms. And I just got out of a session. And so it's on my mind where this, this kid is an artist. And so she was, she's just amazing. She was showing me her art. And in one of them, she had like parts of the brain that she was able to actually paint. And she was like, well, you know, that's your hippocampus and that's responsible for, and she's telling me all these things. So I'm curious if you have parents in the room looking at you like, oh my gosh, I don't what has happened to my kid? They are now a teenager and a totally different kid. Where do you even start on the message around impulsivity and the teenage brain? You know, we talk a lot about that, mostly because of risky behaviors, right? Parents come in and um, they want to address X, Y, or Z risky behavior that their child is doing. So I do talk about, you know, the fact is their brains are not fully formed until they're like 26. And so um, they're going to try things and they don't have that prefrontal cortex to tell them that this, uh, again, this part of the brain right here is not fully formed to tell them that that's probably not a smart idea to do that. Um, and neuroscience, um, I try and put it in terms, hopefully that they can understand but um, I'm actually happy to hear that kids are actually tuning into that and learning for themselves because I don't think I see that um, quite as often in my office and, and maybe it's because I don't give them as much of an opportunity to open up about it. But for the all of those reasons and, and the, um, the place that that immature prefrontal cortex um, plays in adolescence, um, I talk a lot about meditation. Um, I talk about what are the ways, um, you know, that you can be less anxious, that you can be less angry, that you can be less irritable, because those are emotions, you know, with without the ability to regulate them, um, as well as those decisions around risky behaviors, that that's not fully formed. And so helping them build that muscle of self-awareness, self-control, um, you know, and manage their emotions better. I think the earlier that we teach people, um, um, those skills, the better. And, you know, I talked to my own daughter about meditation and she laughs at me and, <laughs> and I talk to patients about it every day because I really think that it is, um, something that I, I, have taken a mindfulness based stress reduction class and I can't tell you how beneficial it was. So these are the things that, um, I know that we can continue to get out to patients and parents and families, um, to really help with that self-regulation and help them understand and hopefully see the benefits. I mean, yeah. if they try it themselves, I say, let's do it together. Right? Right, which is great. Yes. So in in a one-minute answer, what are your thoughts about marijuana and the developing brain? Oh, yeah. It's not good. Dr. Cheryl, I'm sure you <laughs> he, see and, and hear this all the time, but what we know is um, marijuana is dangerous for the developing brain. You know, I, I look at a state like Colorado who has legalized marijuana, um, you know, at a certain age, um, and the accessibility and the amount of kids that I'm seeing using marijuana definitely has gone up, and these conversations that I'm having with kids and 
grandparents about um, the dangers of marijuana and the developing brain. Um, it's been very interesting to me because I think there are some um, families that totally get it, and I think there are others um, that kind of don't think it's a big deal. And it's really dangerous and has long-term consequences. Okay, heard it straight from the doctor. All right, one more hot button topic that I love would love to talk to pediatricians about are what do you do about the vaccine issue that mm. is is prevalent I think all over the country and certainly another sort of Colorado issue um, for people who believe that vaccines are related to autism or you know are worse off for us than better how do you handle that um, you know, I go back to that 20-minute visit, <laughs> office visit, and I think if you look at the scope of things that we've talked about even here on this podcast, we need much more time to be able to spend with families. But it's a conversation, right? Um, and and I'm, uh, I'm not one of those pediatricians that says, if you don't want to vaccinate your child, I'm not going to take care of you. Because I know that at every visit, I have the opportunity to have another conversation around why why vaccines are important and what the risks are to your child and what the risks are to the community at large. Um, so it takes time and it's part of my job that I do really love. Like I have the conversation with them because I feel like if I can get a parent who had not given a single vaccine previously to even give one vaccine at a visit, I have done my job and I have made not only it safer for that child, but for the community at large. Gotcha. That's, I think that's a great answer because I do think some pediatricians do have that stance where they, they won't see a certain child. I know my pediatrician, I did the, um, like the Dr. Sears alternative schedule and she was totally worked with me on that. And that was, I started that 12 years ago. So I probably wasn't quite as popular. I don't even know if it's popular today, but that's what I did. Um, but you know, the other people in her practice weren't as familiar. And so, but I saw her out there talking to the nurses. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Yep. We're going to separate them. And at the time I could even go to a special clinic and get the M, the M and the R separated. You know, I, I really went to these yes. great lengths. Um, but I do think that vaccines for somebody who doesn't spend a whole lot of time sitting, being able to sit with a doctor or doing a lot of research is confusing because it's scary. It is scary. And um, I'm hoping that we can actually get more vaccine, good vaccine information into the Bright by text platform for that very reason. There is a lot of what I would call um, incorrect information that you can find on the internet. I am a vaccine proponent. I do not believe that MMR causes autism. There is science that has disproven that. There's, there's a lot of good science and research out there, but I gotta work with, I gotta meet patients and parents where they are. And that's the most important thing. Um, and the lack of good information, I look at myself as, you know, someone who has that good information. And if I don't take the time and energy to help educate, I'm doing them a disservice. Yeah, that's great. So speaking of the Bright by Text platform, um, I hope that listeners get the sense that if you have, if you're pregnant or even thinking about becoming pregnant or you have a child 
up until the age of eight. It's just a super simple one text. Is it every couple of days? How often do people get texts? They usually get two to three texts a week. Okay. So yep. two to three texts a week that you can not even open if you want or open when you want to or open as you're nursing or feeding a baby in the middle of the night. Something simple. I do like that simplicity that you can get this kind of information that we're talking about in easy, small doses. And then if there's more... I also think what I personally think is that it gives you enough information to then maybe when you go to see your pediatrician the next time to say, hey, I was reading about this or I heard about this. And I, I personally think um, and professionally that you have to be your own best advocate and you have to be your kid's advocate. And you cannot just show up at a pediatrician's office and say, OK, you know, uh, you know, my kid's three. So what should I be thinking about? You know, I think the best use of the 20 minutes, because let's be honest, that's what we've got is to say, essentially, here's what I want to cover today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if the pediatrician has something they really, really need to, they will. But otherwise, be prepared with one or two topics. You know, my kid's not sleeping. My kid's not eating well. You know, my kid's still biting. They're still bedwetting. Is that normal? I've read it is. I've read it's not. I don't know what to do. Right. So I feel like that's, do you agree? Is that the best way to go into an appointment? Oh, I totally agree with that. I think the more prepared you are. And, and I think um, parents and caregivers are really savvy today. I mean, they, they do come in usually um, with those questions around, um, you know, all those things that you talked about, whether it's growth and development or is it questions around immunizations or behavior, right? A lot about behavior, um, you know, from the earliest of ages. And so um, I agree with you. I think having those um, bits of information to say, huh, my kid's not doing that. I should ask my pediatrician about it the next time I go in, I think is super important. Yeah, that's great. So thank you so much for coming in and answering my rapid fire questions about random topics that um again i have you trapped in a room so you have to answer <laughs> but um but really also just sharing with with us this great information about bright by text um i honestly when my kids were younger i wish that i would have had something like this and i think the other thing to share that i thought was great when i first joined this board is that so you can text 274448 and text the word bright to it to get on there but you also um I believe you put in your zip code, right? So you can get local information. You're exactly right. So there's information on local events. Again, kid-friendly, family-friendly events at libraries, at the Children's Museum, at the zoo that um, are within your zip code. So an opportunity... You and I have talked about this before, but um, this feeling of isolation, social isolation, um, especially when you have a new baby or a young child, and what does that look like? This opportunity really to get together with other families and parents that are in similar situations, I think is a gift that everyone should take an advantage of, and one of the coolest things on the platform, you're right. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming in and sharing with us your wisdom and information about Bright by Text. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you're listening still right now, again, you can text Bright to 274448. And please be sure to um, rate and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>